everybody. Welcome to Be Significant. We're so glad you came back to listen to us. We've got a great episode today uh, with Coach Chris Bunch from Webster University, um, the men's basketball coach there, the winningest coach of, in Webster history. Um, and Beth, you know, what our audience is going to hear here, one of the things he ended with was a, a quote from Theodore Roosevelt, and I thought it was just unbelievably impactful to our conversation that and he said, comparison is the thief of joy. Uh, I, I, what, what, a, what a great quote. What, what, did you, what did you feel when you heard that? I mean, I think it's right. I think it's easy for individuals to compare what you don't have. I mean, ultimately, that's what it means is, is really is you're comparing yourself to everything that others have that you don't. And then you just lose that joy, right? And instead of actually focusing on all the things you do have, because I think everybody has a great starting place place and foundation of a pretty amazing life. And even when you are lacking some of the materialistic things that your friends might have, et cetera, um, I do think having that key focus is so impactful. Um, it makes me think of, again, when I was a kid, I did this all the time and he mentioned this a little bit. I remember again, my family wasn't super wealthy. And I remember Christmas, <laughs> I, I got like, I don't know, a couple key presents that I might wanted. I mean, I remember specifically there was a time that I Cabbage Patch dolls were in. Yeah. So, and in classic, my mom's always looking to try to, you know, if she can, she would love to meet the wishes of her children, but also in a budget. <laughs> and I remember, God love her. She, you know, I'm always at the pool. I was, you know, all of us kids were in the pool since six months. And so we were doing some sorts of pooling. I was probably diving at the time. I don't remember exactly how old I was. I just remember that I really wanted a Cabbage Patch Kid. So I put it on my list. And there had to be this grandmother at the pool that was making homemade Cabbage Patches. So right, right. fast forward to the gift I'm opening and it's this Cabbage Patch Kid. And I'm like, Oh, and I'm just so unimpressed. My mom was like, you got a couch. I was like, no, I didn't. Her face is like, material. it's not plastic. I was like, Cabbage Patch kids get like birthday cards. And then the company sends them like a birthday card greeting. And I mean, right. I was like, I got a fake Cabbage Patch kid. <laughs> I was not gracious, not grateful. I was definitely, you know, a comparison of the, you know, everyone, all my friends had real Cabbage Patch kids. Yeah. And then my mom said, well, we got another present for you. And I opened up and I got the real Cabbage Patch Kid horse. Oh, probably like 10 bucks. But I was like, what? I got a horse, the real horse. Yeah. I was like, the doll, just the doll. Oh my gosh, it was so funny. She's like, my mom's like, I will make you birthday cards every year. If this is her birthday, I'll make you birthday cards. And it was just so funny. But like, I tell that and I get a lot of humor out of it. But I remember then calling my friends and they're all like listing off numerous presents, not by bragging, just what did you get for Christmas? What right. did you open up? And you're just telling a story. And I'm thinking like, I have to make up things. Cause I had like two and then I had a stocking full of candy. I was like, eh. and then I would be like, here's the things I got and some other things, but I can't remember. <laughs> like, not, I'm just like, Oh my gosh, you know? And so, um, it reminds me. And then as I get older, you know, whenever I get in that spiral of, gosh, I wish, or I really want, or I'm hoping to, I just remember like, I am super, super blessed with all the things that I have. Exactly. Um, yeah. And yeah. I just really remind myself to stay grounded. And, and, so, and when I need to have that sense of reminder, I have a really good community around me to, I was like, boost me up. And so, yeah. um, and just remind me of how blessed and, and, you know, great I have it. So 
I think that just ducktails right in that that was a great way he ended in his quote, just a reminder of, you know, just just take in all the stock that you have today and don't think about what you don't because you can use exactly the gifts and the, the things you have present to, you know, have, build and, and impact um, people around you and have a great life. I agree. Yeah, so I, our audience, you're going to love Coach Bunch. Um, again, winning his coach in Webster University history, D3 coach, eight conference championships, six-time SLAC coach of the year, D3 hoops, region coach of the year. Um, and this guy has just made um, an amazing world for the kids that go to Webster. Um, you, if you got four years with Coach Bunch, you've set a foundation for your life. So enjoy Coach Chris Bunch. Coach Bunch, how are you? Great. Thanks for being here. Great to see you. Glad, I'm glad to be here. It's an honor. I appreciate it. And uh, looking forward to it. You know, it's, it's, it's so good for me to see you now because there was a 10-year stretch where I saw you. I started to sweat and, uh, you know, you know, my, I got all tense and I, I thought about walking out of the gym, just turning around and going back home. So <laughs> it's nice to see you yeah. where I don't have to face your team. So it's kind of uh, well. exciting for me. <laughs> so Matt, just to dive in, give our listeners a little background of how do you know? Yeah. Well, Chris, Chris and I, uh, we basically started as college coaches about the same time. We were assistants and did high school coaching, but we both kind of got in the St. Louis Intercollegiate Athletic Conference, the SLAC at the same time. And, um, you know, we both became real close. Our teams were... I feel like every time we played, it was a battle to the end. Absolutely. I mean, we've had double overtime, triple overtime. And, and I always got out coached at the end. So it was always, ah, I don't know we battle up to the end and then Webster <laughs> would always win. It felt like I, I, I can't remember a time where we beat Webster. So it's, <laughs> it's, trust me, I can, <laughs> I can remember a few. I, I still wake up in my dreams. I think we were up by six with like 30 seconds to go and, and, I, and I, in my dreams, I'd be like, call a timeout. And I let that ring and throw the ball into bounds to your best shooter. And, you, and all of a sudden, the game's tied two possessions later. <laughs> yeah. So we had we had some great battles, some epic battles, and had a lot of fun. And, and I think what was great about our rivalry is we just had great kids. You know, my kids, my kids loved you as much as I loved your kids. And, you know, when I see your kids, even today, you've got, you got kids that are coaching college ball and vice presidents. And I see them on social media. I'm, I'm so proud of those kids just as much as the ones I, I coach. So it, it was fun. You may have a different feeling. No, about no, no. Felt the same way. I, it was, <laughs> it was, and Matt Mitchell and I at Westminster talked about that a little bit here yeah. when he retired this past year, just about how, there's not a lot of places that 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 you can coach that you get along with the opposition as well as we did. I know we had a tournament here one time and he was in it and Illinois Wesleyan was here and Ron Rose said, I wish that our league could, me and Matt were standing there with him and we were laughing, talking about something and he yeah. said, I wish that our coaches could interact the way you guys do. Said. Our coaches almost spit on each other as they walk by. He said, I wish we we had that. And, and you know, Matt, um, uh, Lance Thornhill told me, or Fontmont told me, yeah. One time, said, yeah, Bunch, you ruined a perfectly good rivalry. He said, you invited, <laughs> you invited Lee to your wedding, and he came at the wedding and gave you a wedding gift and said, after that, said, 
Webster font bomb was just never the same. That's right. <laughs> but those that was what was so great about that decade is we were all, I mean, we were just all really close. I mean, yep. usually there's that rivalry, but we there was a respect we had for each other and and we knew how hard everybody was working. Absolutely. And I think when, and I was going to get into this a little bit later, when you are running a program on fumes, you don't have a budget, you don't have any recruiting money, you know, you have nothing to pay your, your assistants. You're lucky if you're getting a paycheck every week as the head coach, you know, and, and, and it was just such a tight knit group of guys. And I, I miss, I miss coaching in that league. And I was, I would, when we moved to division two, it was a completely different world. You know, there wasn't that bond. There wasn't that chemistry between coaches. There wasn't that level of respect. And so uh, it, it was a lot of fun those years. Absolutely. Yeah. I think in general, I mean, one of the things, and I definitely want to dive into your team building, but, you know, I come from the corporate America, you know, as far as leadership coaching background, so a little different take, but what I love that you just mentioned is, and I did it earlier in my career, and I think a lot of companies are afraid of this, but really going out to other competitors where there's certain things you just don't talk about, right? You're not going to talk about right. your companies if we're talking about sports, or you're not going to talk about specific ways you pay employees. You know, there's laws against that, but there are best practices. And if you're struggling with the same things, such as, you know, talent acquisition, talent retention, how do you talent development ideas? I think there's best practices that you can learn. And it's not, it's not bad to share and have that level of camaraderie. So you help each other out. So the industry is better for it. Um, and, you know, same way as developing employees, right. Developing your, your players, they might go off and they could lead and do whatever. And in, in this case, usually they stayed in within the institution and then, you know, go off and become superstars in the corporate world. You know, people are always worried about if I develop them too much, they can go somewhere else. And I was like, well, if you develop them, you're investing them and they like you. You know, so they're going to want to bring more people with that perspective. So how did you, and I don't know if you guys did anything intentional, but before we go down to your team of team building, how did you foster that where you talk about Matt went over to D2 and he said it wasn't in that with the, with the coaches. How do you guys foster that? So the coaches really have this level that yes, we'll compete, but we're also really excited about sharing and, and just really raising these kids up to be the best they can be. I, I think when I came I was a little bit taken aback, to be quite honest with it, how friendly all the, the first coaches meeting we went to preseason coaches meeting. I walked out of there and I was like, wow, that's a that's a bunch of friendly guys because <laughs> it's not always that way. You know, and, right. and I worked for a guy for two years at Maryville College. His name was Randy Lambert. And he was just like he he, he was everybody knew him. Everybody liked him. He coached for 39 years there and won seven, over 700 games and. And he was very open and transparent about the way he did things. He would say things when we were on recruit. He would have a recruiting visit, and he would say things sometimes to people. I'd be like, you know, maybe you shouldn't have said that, you know. And he goes, hey, they're going to find out anyway when they That's come. Right. Here. So you know, it's like he goes, I can lie, I can lie about it now. Then they can come here and be mad about it later, you know. And so it's kind of. And so I, I, I kind of I maybe was always that way, but he kind of made me more that way. Mm. And. So, you know, coming here and, and I met Matt and Matt Mitchell at Westminster and Lee McKinney. Now, now Lee, he would always, he was always super nice to you, but I always knew he was trying to find that little information too. He was always <laughs> kind of angling you a little bit, but, but he was really, really good to me. And, um, you know, so it was, it was, 
George Barber at Greenville, you know, the, yeah. a lot of those guys when I came in at the time, it was, it was, it just kind of happened. And I think what Matt alluded to, none of us were making, you know, $150,000 a year. None of us were, had full-time assistance. We were all kind of just scraping by doing it the, as best we could. And there was almost a, uh, you know, we would help each other back the days before synergy when everybody could watch everybody's films, you know, you had to kind of get films from people still when I first came here and, you know, we would help each other. Or if Matt would play wash you and I was playing wash you four or five nights later, he'd send me, he'd send me his stuff that he, you know, and it was like, because we were, we, we were, we were kind of on the lower end of everything and we were mm -hmm. just trying to survive. And, and, and part of that was, I think, helping each other, you know, you, you, we were all trying to do it and, and make the league a little better and gain respect for, you know, kind of across the board. So you uh, think that's maintained now? Like, have you really tried to foster that still where you're yes, at? Yes, to some degree, although there's been a lot of turnover in the last few years, we're getting two new teams this year in the league, one down in Mississippi and one from Arkansas. And, and so that's, we've lost a little of that. Um, maybe the young guys, feel that way too, but being older, I'm kind of the, <laughs> you know, me and George Barber kind of the last two, yeah. you know, and, and, and so it's, 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 but yeah, still it's, it's very much a, uh, I get along with the coaches and um, in, enjoy, you know, I, we always go and sit and talk and before, during the girls game, that was kind of a thing we always did. But now my high school coach, when I was coaching in high school, and I was an assistant. He did that. He would go over with the other coach during the girls game and sit and talk with, and, you know, and it wasn't about, oh, you know, tactics or anything. It was just about how's it going? You know, how's your year going? Talk about some parent that was, you were having trouble with or whatever the problems right. you were going through. And, and like you say, it's shared experiences that everybody's going to have those experiences. And so it was kind of easy to do that here. And I, I still try and do that and get along with all the other coaches and because uh, it's, at the end of the day, you know, you're all doing the same thing and, and, you know, we're all just trying to be as successful as we can, but make a living and, and do some good things for some young people, you know, and, and help them out. So, I mean, it's, uh, we're all kind of pulling in the same direction in that regard. That's for sure. And when we talk about Mark Edwards, we all had to cheat any way we could just to have any kind of advantage <laughs> yeah, really. against Wash U. So, yeah. <laughs> Um, I just talked to Mark yeah, a couple of weeks ago and, uh, you know, he, he's still, you know, I've still got tense like you, I still got tense. <laughs> God, do I have to play he, these guys tomorrow? He's, he's still intense. I saw him at the, when I had to do the NCAA rep for Washington yeah. games, he was under the, he, you know, I used to always, you know, he would just get all over the refs every time we would play. You know? right. I looked down there underneath the rim and he's like down there on the refs. Still chewing. <laughs> not changed <laughs> coach I, I want to talk about I want to talk about how you build teams because I've always been impressed um, what you've done it seemed like every year you had a leader you had a point guard you had size you had um, you had guys that could shoot it could dribble it guys that understood the game at the end of your year when you're thinking about building that next team what are what are some of the philosophies that you have that maybe a young coach that's a high school coach, college coach, what are some of the things that you do to really build out a, a well-balanced team? 
the first thing, Matt, and I don't know that I always achieve this, but the first thing that's always kind of in my mind is people. Um, when I was coaching in high school, now I coached a really good school. Uh, it was a smaller school, about six or 700 kids uh, in, in East Tennessee. And, uh, you know, for the most part, those kids were great, you know, but I would, I was frustrated as a high school coach because you were at the, at the mercy of whoever happened to walk through your door that particular right. year. Right. And so some years we would be good and some years we were really not so good. Right. <laughs> you know? And so, uh, and I just getting on that roller coaster and I was just like, you know, I want to go. And, and then of course, you know, when you don't have a lot of kids, you know, in a school of 600 kids, 300 of them are female. So you're not, right. you know, so that, that narrows it down to 300, you know, right. Trying to make a team from that group. Right. And, you know, sometimes you're having to play some kids that, you know, maybe if you could just go out and pick your 15, you wouldn't choose to deal with right. you know, somebody like that. Right. And, uh, and I didn't have a lot of those, but everybody's got one or two of those. And, and I used to just say to myself all the time, we'd go to team camp in the summer at Maryville College or Mars Hill College or somewhere. And I would always say to my assistant, I wish I could be at a college where I could pick the people that I worked with. And then if I had some knucklehead, I could look in a mirror and say, that's your fault, you know, for right. <laughs> having that guy here. Yeah, you, know, you brought him in. It's on you. Yeah. You know, and so I've always been very aware of that. Uh, you know, several years ago, I had a couple of instances where I had, and these guys weren't bad guys, you know, by and large, but they were just very, um, you know, they were very, they were worried about how it affected them. And I tell our guy, I've said this for years to all of our guys, players have the, have the luxury of being egocentric, meaning they can look around and think, well, how's all this affecting me? And as a coach, I never get to do that. I never get to do the things that I want to do. Oh, well, I, I, I really like this kid, so I'm going to play him because I like him. You know, it's like you can't do that. You have to think about what's best for the collective. And a lot of times what's best for the collective is not really good for somebody that is a really hard worker or somebody that you'd really like to reward. And so uh, I, I've really had a, been successful over the years, I've been lucky having guys that would all kind of buy in. Uh, and then I had this little stretch there where I had two or three years where it was just, it didn't work. And I, I made the comment one year, I'm not doing any more transfers. I'm doing all. And I had a team that the team coming back was all freshmen and sophomores. And, and somebody made the alluded to me, ah, oh, you'll just go out and get five or six Juco guys and be right back near the top of the league again. And I said, nope. I'm playing all freshmen and sophomore. And they were like, you're out of your mind. And I, and I said, no, I've got to get back to this being the way I want it to be. Yes. And at the end of the day, it doesn't, at this stage of my life, the wins and life, I mean, I'm competitive and I want to try and win and I want to instill that in the guys, but it's more important to me to, you know, be able to go into a gym two hours a day and be work with a bunch of guys that I enjoy at this stage of my life. Exactly. And, and so, and so I really started focusing on the last few years again, uh, what kind of person is this kid? And, and I think it's helped us. I mean, I, 
I have people tell me all the time. It's, you know, people come up to me in restaurants and they'll say, is this your basketball team? And I'm like, oh gosh, what they what they say, what they do, <laughs> and, and they'll be like, that's the nicest bunch of guys I've ever been with around. They all let me. A little old lady will say, oh, they let me go first, and 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 they were all so polite and 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 said that that's just a really good group of guys. And I'm like, well, they must have some really good parents. That's what I always say. But yeah. um, you know, it, it is. It's very important for me to have people that can kind of check their egos at the door a little bit and and go in there and work and you know you're going to have your little dust-ups and disagreements and whatever but for the most part I think one of the things that I've really tried to do is get good people to start with if I you know if I ever have a visit and some kid turns around and tells me oh mom shut up you know (laughs) you know like that's it your mother that way (laughs) yeah I mean there's certain little things that I just go oh I I start planning my exit strategy in my head when I on some visits you know and and it's it's because it's I, I want guys that are going to assimilate, guys that are going to, you know, respect each other. I mean, I tell everybody, you know, the, our guys come from all different. They come from St. Louis. They come from rural areas. They come from other metropolitan areas, um, you know, different races and whatever. And it's fine. You know, I mean, it's like but we're all going to respect each other and we're all going to, uh, you know, get along and work together. And that's really the only expectation that I have, you know, is that you come in and work together. Yeah, yeah Matt and I are big. Um, I don't know if you've seen it, but Ted Lasso fans. Have you ever watched Ted Lasso? <laughs> yes. Yeah. And it reminds me kind of what you said is, you know, at the beginning, he was just getting pressure, pressure, pressure around. You got to win. You got to win. You got to win. He's like, listen, I'm about building good people. Right. I want to help them be good people. And, you know, ultimately, I think to your point, if you do like you're doing, and you're having a good, like we respect each other, we respect our parts, we're working together to better. I think the wins will come because you're just, you don't even have to think you you're reading your players, your teammates' minds because you've just been working in this cohesive unit. So I think you got something there. And, you know, again, I love the show and it seems to work out for the show. (laughs) But I think- Absolutely. And I, you know, I have people that will say about four years ago, I had a group of guys, that group, I said that I was going to, I, they were all freshmen and sophomores, and I'm just going to roll with them. And I, Mike Senior, my former assistant, said, you won't win five games next year. And we went 14 and 12 yep. and finished tied for fourth that year. And we had three games where we came from 20 points down and won. And we had three games where we were ahead by 20 and lost. I mean, it was just they, – they were just a roller coaster of emotion. The next two years – we went 31 and five in the league with those guys yep. as juniors and seniors because they were good people. Yeah. And they just had to learn how to kind of control their emotions a Security, little bit. And, right. Yeah. And you know, how to how to deal with adversity when it arrives and all of that. But they were, and my wife said at one point at that year, and then she said it again this year. She said, I think that's the best team you've ever had. Mm. And I said, now, my wife's not a big basketball fan. And so, I mean, she she goes, I don't know anything about basketball, but that's the best team you've ever had. Yeah. And I said, why do you say that? And she said, because you haven't came home one time in the last two years and said that thing you always used to say about how if aliens came and sucked your whole team up in a ship and flew off, you wouldn't even call the authorities. 
You'd be like, uh-oh. Like when you yes. had a bad day. Somebody yes. showed up for practice. I don't know what happened. <laughs> and, and, and let's talk about the aliens. About halfway home, they would come back and drop them. Back. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. return those kids. Right. And yeah. so, you know, it was, and then she said, it's just the way you interact with them too. And, and Matt can attest to this. I was, a, I was a wild man when I first came here. I was mad, yelling all the time. About 2011, one night, uh, we'd missed a box out on the free throw line and I'd call a timeout about it. And then the very next time they came down on the free throw line, missed another free throw. We missed the box out and they got another put back and one. And I just looked at the ref and I said, just give me another timeout. And so, I, I mean, I'm yelling at these guys and the, the softball girls used to always sit right behind our bench because they said, I love it. When Coach Bunch gets mad. There's this vein that pops out right there in the middle of his head and his head turns off so they just they just sat there just to see me get mad and i'm yelling at these guys and at one point i just kind of got lightheaded and i was just like just get back out on the court and i just sit down and my assistant landon curves came over and said you bunch are you all right and, and i said just just I'm, I'm fine leave me alone and i didn't say much the rest of that night and i went home and told my wife that night i said I can't have a stroke or an aneurysm and die because some 19 year old missed a box out on the free throw line. I have to do this differently. Yes. And so I did start trying to change the way I interacted a little bit, but with that particular group and this team that I just had this past year, I had guys that used to come play for me that would come watch us play and they'd say, who are you? You know, what, 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 alien, you know, you're like a pod to the alien left that's supposed to look like you, but it's, it's not you. And, and it was just, they got it. I would, we, somebody make a run, we'd make two or three turnovers, and I'd just stand up and one of them would go, We got it. We got it. I know, I know, I know. And, I, and it was a very conversational a lot of the time. My, my in game stuff with them. And she goes, It's just different. She goes, those kids just get you. Yeah. And I said, I've tried really hard to get back to that. And, and this year was a lot of that. It's like, you know, Coach Senior says, you're not even coaching anymore. You just sit on the sideline. You know, it's just, I, I just don't have to get up and get mad and, and all of that because it's like, I, I feel like they, they're kind of in tune with what we're trying to do. They understand what we're trying to do and they know when they're not doing it, you know, and it's not. And so, uh, but a big part of that is the whole trust thing that comes in there with that, you know? And so I've been, I think that's the, when you start doing anything, you go lay the, the, the base, the, the groundwork, the framework is what kind of people are you working with? And you got to get, you got to have good people to have success. Yeah. You know, and then after that, you know, you had said about, we've always had leaders. I've never appointed a captain. I've never said, Hey, this is the team captain. I never had the teams vote on it. Okay. We're going to vote on captains or whatever. It's just always kind of, there was always one or two guys and everybody in the room knew these two guys are kind of the guys. And I just kind of let that develop organically. Here, I had a senior that just graduated. When all those players from that good team three or four years ago left, I had a sophomore who had played with them as a freshman. And he was just a hard worker. He was organized. He was dedicated. He, he was just a great person. Um, and 
JR was kind of just, he just became the captain and he was a sophomore, mm. you know, and it was like, yep. nobody said, and I just went to him and I said, Hey, we've got one senior that's coming back. Rodson's a great guy. He's just not real vocal. He's going to lead by example. He's going to pull people off to the side and talk to him quietly every now and then. But Rodson's not going to lead. He's not, you know, that's just kind of not his personality. And I said, but it is your personality and you need to start doing more of this. And yeah. he just, for the next three years, I mean, I used to laugh this year. I'd say, I'm sure on my evaluation, some of the players are going to say, Coach Bunch ain't even the coach. JR is the coach. <laughs> yeah. I haven't turned to everything and say, well, you, what, what color are we wearing tonight, JR? He'd say, oh, let's wear white tonight. Okay, we're wearing white. You know, and it was, and it, where you want to eat tonight? Oh, I want Chick-fil-A before the game. Okay, we'll get, I'll get Chick-fil-A. It's like, I thought, who's running this show here right. anyway? But yeah, I but call it a I call it a transfer of ownership. Yes. And and it is. You you have to, if you want people to buy in and and be excited about it, they have to have some say in it. They have to have some vote in it. Yeah. And so I never really chose that. That just kind of happened really organically a lot. I right? like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I had the same thing with Tyler Saxon. Remember Tyler, you know, mm -hmm. we lost all those seniors and I had a bunch of great juniors and seniors come back, but they were all not very vocal. Right. And Tyler, you know, Tyler was just his nature to be the boss, to be the, right. to, to get everybody organized, get everybody going the right direction. And, you know, he did it with humility. So that, I, I love that story. I'm curious. I mean, you mentioned too, and, and this is my big thing is obviously it's, I, I hear you talking about self-reflection in your younger style coaching and how you've evolved and matured a health reasons. Like, you don't have to you're like, hello, older, older and fatter. Yeah. It had to kind of had to happen. That was funny, but more so what I think is great is, and I, I think about me as a leader, how I was earlier in my career and then how I've, I call it matured <laughs> and later in my career. And then also to reading the room of everyone has different motivational styles. Like I remember when I was growing up, my mom was a big, I was the kid who got in trouble and pushed the edge. So my mom would constantly yell, yell, yell. And the moment, you know, but the moment like my dad would just say, come here. And I was like, <laughs> you know, so, so like different motivation styles. How do you assess your team to know what is going to actually light a fire? Because again, the yelling to me when I was a kid, because my mom would do it all the time, mainly just to me, not with my siblings. It was like Charlie Brown, wah, 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 wah. Right, right. And then a different style, like, or she'd say, you disappoint, you know, that's really disappointing. I would never think that disappointed me. Right. I would, oh, now I'm like, oh, I didn't. Okay. You know, but like, <laughs> right, that was right. my motivation style. And then for somebody else, it might be different. So how do right. you do that with a team of, you know, basketball players to get them motivated? I think you, I, you it's something you have to learn. I mean, mm -hmm. you, have, you can't just walk in the first day and with 10 new guys and know what buttons that you need to push. Correct. Um, but it, it, I think it evolves over time. One of the guys that played back when Matt was coaching at Maryville, Steve Watercutty, he loved to be yelled at. Now, he's a very successful defense attorney now. I mean, he's he was tough as nails. But I mean, he loved to be yelled at. He would come to games after he graduated and sit behind my bench just for the moment when I was going to get mad. He would turn to my wife and he'd say, "God, that fires me up." You know? Yeah. He and he ate that up. And there were times that my assistant would turn to me and say, we're flat. And I'd say, yeah, I know. And he'd say, call a timeout and yell at Watercutty. 
and, and he hadn't even done anything. And I would call a timeout and I would just get right in his face and just scream at him. He'd be like, you're right. Well, we got, and, and we would always like pick up, you know, and, and, and it was, but you have to know that because there are definitely people that, man, you yell at them. They're done. They're shut down. down. You know, yeah. it's like, they're just going to shut down. And so a lot of it depends on, you know, the style of person it is. I do think as time goes by, and somebody's a senior, even if they're not really used, they don't want somebody yelling at them a lot normally. They've been around you and you don't yell at them much, but every now and then you get mad and they're like, I, okay. I got it. I got it. <laughs> you know, and they 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 can take that because they they know what you're about. They know you're on their side. They know right. you believe in them. You know, it's like you've you've sat in the office together and talked about life and everything else. And you they, built that they, trust, they it right? yeah. But it, there's a there's trust there, but it it doesn't happen overnight. You've got to kind of, that happens over time, I think, uh, a little bit. But there are definitely people that you have to, you know, motivate externally. There's some people that are motivated internally that you don't ever have to say a word to. You know, I mean, I, I, and I've had a lot of guys like that that say, well, you don't ever yell at him. I'm like, well, I don't ever have to. <laughs> you know, and, uh, and, and, and so it's, you know, like you say, reading the room you can't just go, I learned a long time ago as a young high school coach, one style does not fit all when, <laughs> when you're dealing with people. You know, I love, I love watching these basketball games in the NCAA tournament and the NBA playoffs. Anytime, and invariably somebody will make this analogy. Well, right now the coaches, you know, Coach Coach K and and Coach Beheim, they're really moving the chess pieces around the board here. You're really seeing it. And I'm like, that's the, I turned to my wife one time, and I said, that's the biggest crock of, you know what, I've ever heard in my life. You know, I said, it is not like a video game. Okay, now it's time to hit down, down B so he can go do what, you know, it, they're people and they, they, their girlfriend broke up with them that day, or they failed a test that they needed to pass, or, you know, they got mad and, then one of their best friends got in a fight in the apartment about, you know, who was cooking dinner that night or whatever. Right. It's like they're human. They have emotions. And, and, and it's not just, you're not, man, you're not just, you know, that whole thing about all oh, coaches moving the pieces around the board. That's the, that, that drives me about as crazy as anything because you are working with people and it's always fluid. Yeah. Right. And, and it's never, it's never an exact science either. I mean, at the time you think, Oh man, this guy, He's great. He's never upset. He comes to practice every day, ready to work. That next day, he'll walk in with something on his mind, and he'll just have the worst practice you've ever seen him have in his life yep. and have to get all over him about something. Or at least, you know, and a lot of times in situations like that, I will just go over and say, okay, what's what's the matter? What, what's going right. on today? You know? And not that you're asking, right? Right. You know, just to try and figure out, you know, you're, you're not like this. What's going on with you? And, and invariably, they'll say, oh, well, coach, I had blah, blah, blah. You know? And it's you're dealing with people and that is such an inexact science because on any given day, anybody can feel in any given moment in a day, people can change how they feel radically. So it's, it's a, it's a tough thing. What's your approach? I mean, let's go back and you can use this example, but the freshman sophomore example, obviously the sophomores, if you've been with them when they were freshmen, you got to know them, but say you get a team of freshmen in, you've seen tape, you kind of have an idea how they play, but you don't know them because people aren't a science. Right. So tell me your approach to getting to know the individual, getting to know their motivations through how you coach and how you are starting to build the team to understand the connectivity between the players. 
we try very hard. And I've all, I've often said, this has probably hurt us in the short run at the beginning of seasons, because I try for those first few weeks of practice to give everybody some mm. looks. You know, a lot of guys will say, well, coach, you will never play me with the other four starters and I don't look as good. And I'm, I, and, and there's some truth to that. You know I mean? There, there is, you look better playing with the best. If you go play with if Magic Johnson and Larry Bird and Michael Jordan, you're going to look a lot better than you did if you go play and pick up and, you know, with, with, with some 40 year old guys, you know, you're going to look better. Um, so there is some truth to that. But so I try and give everybody uh, the opportunity to play with the old, you know, let, let every one of the freshmen play with the older guys. And, and, and we mix it up a lot. And, and because of that, a lot, I always say, look at who we're looking at our top 10 in our rotation in November at the beginning of the season, and then go back and look at our top 10 the week before the conference tournament. And it's and I always laugh and say, God, why, why wasn't I playing that guy? You know, right. you know, but it, it takes time. It takes time for you to see. We had a guy this year that I that came in and just kind of showed up the first day and said, Hey, can I play? And I tried to talk him out of it because we had too many people. And I was like, you know, he ended up starting for us by game three or four and was, you know, was the was one of the best freshmen in the whole conference. And and he was just a really hard worker and just a sponge, just everything you said. Like, yes, sir. You could just tell he was just absorbing everything you could tell him. And, uh, you know, but but it took some time to see that happen. And so, so what I try and do early is look at everybody as much as I can. And I think one thing this year they've 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 given us now, the NCAA has the division three coaches eight days before the season starts to have a workout once or twice a week. Well, that's nice. Yeah. You know, and we've never had that here before. And so I think that will also allow me the opportunity to let these guys get in there and see kind of what they do and who they are and all that and have, you know, seven or eight days to look at them. And then when we start on October 15th, now we can be a little more specific about the stuff we're doing because we already, I've already kind of passed that. Okay. Let's figure out which of these guys can play. We've got nine guys coming in this year and, you know, and, and we've got 12 returning or 11 returning. So there's going to be a lot of people and there's a lot of moving parts there. And so I think that that's, that's difficult. And then, you know, I think it's just, I think a lot of it is just putting them all in there. We play a lot and it's not always just, okay, we're scrimmaging today, but it's, you know, we do four, three on three, small sided games. We do four on four stuff. We do full court transition drills that kind of flip the whole team over and everybody's getting to participate in the drill all the time. And we do a lot of playing early, if nothing else, just for the coaching staff to see, you know, okay, well, evaluate good and who, you know, so yeah. it's kind of division three level because of, because of the, we can't have recruiting days in the spring and all that stuff. It does. There's a little bit of evaluation that goes on more probably at our level at that time than a division one or division two coach. So, but it's, yeah, it's a, you know, it, it takes time. It takes time. I think that goes right along with your, your philosophy on recruiting high school kids instead of transfers too. It's so much nicer when you've got a kid for four years, because yeah. most you might think differently, but for me, it, it always took me a year and a half to teach a kid how to play man-to-man -man defense at the college level. Right. 
you know, they're, they're lost. They're turning their back. They have no idea where man ball is. They know, have no idea how to get their butt flat to the baseline. So whether we're talking about X's and O's or we're talking about maturity, when you've had a kid in your program for two years and you've got two more years with them, I mean, it it does amazing things to your program, right? They they end up being your assistant coaches. Yes. Right. Yes. And, and, you know, I've got, I've got a transfer coming in. We'll have one or two a year that we come in to kind of augment what's going on, but I'm not a big, Oh, let me get in the transfer portal and let me, let me pull eight dudes out of the transfer portal. Now I realize that's how the world is going, especially. Yeah. It's so rare now. Absolutely. Yeah. But you know, it's still, it's, it's, I I very much like the long-term, you know, as Matt said, it takes you a year or two to really, get comfortable with somebody and, and if you're just if you're on that juco loop of just okay every two years these guys are leaving you know it's hard to it's hard to have that as much so yeah. it's hard to build that relationship you want to absolutely time. yeah coach you've always been one of the guys that you know when i talk to families about where to go to college i always tell them go watch a division three basketball game just go watch it I know you keep telling me you want to play division one, but go watch a division three, go watch an NAI game and just so you can experience the level of talent. And you've always been one of those guys that I could drop you in any gym. I could drop you at Duke. I could drop you at Syracuse. I could drop you at Mizzou. And I know you would coach that team to victories and have a successful seasons because you know how to coach. I appreciate what, that. What there are people mean? that would differ with you. No, they, not many. They don't know what they're talking about. If they do, you send them <laughs> to me. If they anybody says that, what does it mean to you to be a small school coach? And 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 I'm so happy you're at that level because I know you you could be making a lot more money at a higher level. Any AD that's got the D1 or D2 levels looking for a head coach, I don't know why they're not calling you, but what does it mean to you to be that guy at that small school level? You do get a little bit more of uh, one of the things that I'm thankful for at our level is, and we've not, maybe some schools, some division three schools have, we have not had a lot of portal stuff. I mean, I I know, uh, I I know of a a division two school that, that won their league a couple years ago. And then everybody on his team went to the portal because they were right. trying to go D1. And he had like one guy returning and he brought a whole new team in and won the league. Again. Right. And it's like, how do you do that? That's but, amazing. But you know, it's, but it's, it's so almost, he's almost every year, you know, into that swing. And, and that's right. difficult, you know. And, and so I, I'm thankful at our level that we do have a little more longevity with the players. There's not as much of that turnover. Now there's turnover. Um, at the division, I think the, 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 there's two kinds of kids that come here that transfer more readily than anyone else. It's the kid that came here and thought he was going to play and, and realizes when he gets in there and practice that he's not going to, you know, I, I lose some of those guys. Yeah, of course. Um, and you know, you, you, you lose some other guys too, that are just, you know, they get here and, and I'm, I, I will give a lot, not everybody, but I will, I will probably give more people than a lot of coaches would a chance if I know something about the kid or know their coach or something. Well, yeah, you can come here and try it for one. You know, a lot of kids come here and they realize 
hey, I'm, I'm, I'm not good enough to play college basketball and they just go to school or whatever. But, right. um, you know, it's, it's very important to have those kinds of relationships. And, and I know every coach has them. Coach K had them. Everybody has them. Um, but it's, I think at the smaller level, it's a little easier to get to know the person without all of the hot swirling around them and everything. They're, you know, they're a little more down to earth at our level. I've got several guys that are doing this and they know they're not probably going to go play professionally anywhere when this is done. Although I've had a couple that mm -hmm. had a little bit of success doing that, but they know they're, this is the next step to them being, you know, getting a job. JR, who I just mentioned, who just graduated for me, did an internship last year at Chase in mm. New York City. And the last day of his internship, he went to take his key card and everything in. And they said, hey, you when you graduate next May, we're hire, we want to hire you. And so he's up there now in New York City working as a banking analyst or something for Chase. And I'm just like, man, that dude's going to make a lot more money than I ever made yeah. in my life. But, uh, you know, it's it's getting to know those people. And 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 I think it's easier to do at this level. And And you also have to you have to be a little more invested. I've got some guys that have to work, you know, have to work jobs just to be able to afford this setup and be able to do this. Yeah. So there are some concessions sometimes that you have to make that I think sometimes maybe a division one coach or an NBA coach or somebody wouldn't make because, right. well, no, 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 you, you can't miss practice day because of whatever. And it's like, well, this guy's got a night class and he's a film TV and video production. My, my best, I've got a five man that his both his freshman and sophomore year were in the top 10 in the country in block shots in division three. And he's a film TV and video production major. And so sometimes night classes come when they come, you know, and he has, to, well, coach, I got to take this class. Well, it's on a Tuesday night and you're going to miss practice the day before a game this whole eight weeks. And it's, if you can move it fine, but if you can't, what are they here for? You know, right, exactly. You want this is your to future and, and do something that will help them on down the road. And so there's a little bit of, you have to be a little more understanding, I think, and a little more allowing at this level, yeah. uh, just because it's not a kid. that's just, Hey coach, I, I got something I got to do tonight. I can't come to practice. It's just yeah. trying to skip practice to go to movies or something. It's they're They're actually, you know, it, it is more academics based there. They, they do have, things that they're doing. I mean, our guys have done really well. We had the best year in the classroom we've ever had. We had a three, three, one. That's GTA. fantastic. Um, Great. And, 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 you know, so it's, our guys are serious about what it is they're doing and, you know, what they're wanting to do. And, and so I enjoy that because of that, you don't have as much of the, okay, I got to chase this guy and walk around and make sure he goes to class. And I got to go over and knock on his dorm room and make him go to class today. And right. he stays eligible and all that. Just don't have very much of that. And so that, that is rewarding at this level to, to there's some, there's some probably some problems that other coaches have that I just don't have a lot of. Really. Well, again, you, you nipped some of that in the bud in the beginning and how you recruit and how you go about your business and you bring in the, bring in the right, right kids that will well, we to respect that. Yeah. Coach, I, I have a, I work with a lot of families. I've got, I'm a high school coach now and I have a lot of families that listen to our podcast. 
What advice would you give to a family with a prospect about wanting to play in college? Is, is there a piece of advice or two that you you tell high school kids and parents as they yes, go the process? I, I, I told a kid this. I was on the phone yesterday with a kid and, and talked with him, a 2024 kid that I'd seen last weekend at a showcase. And we were talking. And, and I say this, and it sounds kind of corny because I am a Division three coach. So you'd say, oh, well, if you were coaching at Tennessee – you wouldn't tell somebody this. And I'm like, oh, yes, I would. <laughs> because, because I think this is very important. I tell kids, if you can, and I realize a lot of people can't, but if you can, look at a lot of colleges. I looked at two colleges, and one of them was Tennessee, and I couldn't play there. I was just going to go to school. Or I could go play at this college 10 miles from my house. And I just said, well, I'm going to go over there and play. Yeah. And that was the extent of my college searching. Yep. Once I got at Maryville College and watched kids and people going through the recruiting process, I said to Coach Lambert one day, I said, man, I wish I had known all this when I was 17. I would have done a lot of college visits. I might have found a place I liked better. Not that LMU was bad. It was I enjoyed LMU. But I just didn't know. I mean, I, you know, maybe I, there would have been someplace out there I liked more. Yeah. Um, but I just never considered that. So I always tell everybody, Go look at a lot of colleges. Go look at, you know, and I, and I, I tell people, and I heard somebody else say this one time, but I think it's very true. You need to look at colleges that you think is your range, one or two that is kind of above a little bit that would be a reach for you. You probably couldn't, you don't know that you could play there, but man, you might like to be interested in that place anyway. And then always look at, two or three that you think, oh, no, no, I'm, I'm way better than that school. Yep. Uh, because, uh, but I, I tell people do a lot of visits and uh, look for the best fit is my, is my best. As if I were your uncle and I, and you were sitting there and you say, what should I do? I'd say, look for the best fit. You're going to go to 10 schools. And when you're done, you're going to say, mom, dad, I like this one the best because I like the coach the best or the man, the players there were really nice to me or that had, wow, that was a great school and has just what I want to take in college. And it's in a really nice area. And I really liked that. Whatever the thing is for you that attracts you, think about that. And if you can, if you can afford that, you probably need to look at that. Because I have so many people that they're interested in Webster and then some NAIA school or a JUCO offers them some scholarship money and they go, well, I'm just going, coach, I'm going here. It's amazing the number of those that are calling me a year or two later, coach, I, I didn't, you know, you yep. still got a place for me, blah, blah, blah. And don't, don't go to a place just because it's the cheapest. Don't go to the place just because somebody offered you a scholarship. I've had guys that our financial aid was better and they were going to pay less to go to Webster than they were going to pay to go to an NAI school. But the NAI school was offering them athletic scholarship. Right. <laughs> and it still would have been cheaper to come to Webster. And they take that. And then they're calling me a year later, coach. I, you know, as you used to got any spots open, whatever. And, and, and I see a lot of guys walk out that door and I think, that kid would be really happy here, yep. but he's going to go somewhere else because he wants to say he's on scholarship. Yep. And I think that is maybe more of a men's basketball 
slash football thing than yep. any other sport. I agree. I disagree, actually. Um, really? I was a former college athlete, and I, I took your advice, didn't have that advice given to me. I just, I received a lot of scholarships from D1, 2, and 3. Well, 3, you got academic scholarships. Right. And again, I did it. So like I'm proof of the pudding that your advice I think is fantastic because I was looking for the fit and I was, I dove, I was a springboard diver. I dove since I was nine years old. All American, Chris, all American. Wow. Wow. That's impressive. (laughs) I don't know about that, but ultimately was going for that D1 because I was like, well, I'll dive in that because I'll get a scholarship because I wasn't from a super wealthy family and that's how I'll go. But then I was like, I'm starting to get burned out. If I go D1, it's it's eight months a year. That's it. You live, breathe, and everything mm-hmm. with people. And so I don't get to meet anybody else that does anything else. And um, so that's when I started looking at D2 and D3 and then visited and ultimately went up to, you know, co-college, which I where I met Matt, but like a small private liberal arts school in the Midwest, never was looking at the Midwest, looking out east. And, uh, and I had tons of scholarships too, you know, and ultimately got academic scholarship for a program that the swimming coach was recruiting me and they had yet to succeed their diving coach. (laughs) So I was like, there's so much unknown, but I was like, but even if I quit that diving, I can do tennis. I, you know, I'm getting an academic scholarship that I'm maintaining with a GPA. I can just try a whole bunch of stuff. And ultimately for me, diving was, you know, at some point there's an age limit, right? You know, everyone still asks me the now they're like, you still dive. I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) you know, in my head maybe, but like, like, no, but again, really like taking those, you know, and I dove all four years. So it was, it was great, but I'm sure I didn't, you know, increase my capability, but the point wasn't about that. It was about fit and I got to do it and I got to do tennis and I got to do clubs and, you know, internships and, I mean, a full, well-rounded experience. So I think your advice is spot on is test as many as you can, if you could afford it. I had tons of scholarships to pretty impressive name brand schools. And when I went to go visit, didn't get the feeling like I fit, you know, and, um, you know, you want to feel like a part of something. You want to feel like you fit in and everyone's welcoming and that. So I think it, it really is applicable holistically as an athlete, I think, and maybe even, you know, dance or any sort of thing you do. Right. Um, I think it's great and, advice. Right. And I see that a lot. And that's what the reason I say that I think it's a more men's basketball thing than other things is I see our women's soccer team will have girls that will have a D1 offer, but they really liked Luigi and they really liked Webster. And they're yes. like, I'm, I'm going to go to Webster. That, that feel that, that, that's where I want to go. And I'm like, no basketball player would ever make that. <laughs> <laughs> Like, just yeah, until they made the mistake. That's not happening in basketball. Yeah. You're like, you know, D1 mentality. Oh, you come here. No, that's not happening. Yeah. And your advice you know, is and, spot on. Yeah. You know, and, and so I do. I, I tell people that all the time. I'm a big believer in, you know, and I tell them that I, I say, you know, you're going to, maybe it's Webster. I said, if it's not Webster, that's okay. You know, I said, that's okay. It's uh, my job to play all the car. And, and Randy Lambert, you say this all the time at Maryville College. It's my job to lay all my cards on the table and let you see exactly, give you the best view of what, you know, Webster University is. And then you have to make your decision. You and your mom and dad sit down and make your decision based on that. And if it's not me, then that's fine. You know, and, and, you know, you'll, you'll, maybe you'll meet a coach that you like better than me that fits more with the way you think you, how you want to play or whatever than, than me. And that's fine. 
you know, everybody's different, but I think it's just, there's going to be that one place that you look at and you're going to be like, wow, I, I really, I really want to go there. And if you get that kind of feel, that's, that's probably not wrong. Yeah. You know, it's, when people make a decision and then they look back later and, oh, I'm transferring, they can probably look back to something in that recruitment and think I should have known they were lying or I should have known that's not what I, I, I was just doing that because of the scholarship. It's not what I really wanted or yeah. whatever. I think there's something you can probably look back to and say, oh, that I shouldn't have done that, you know, but so that's, that's my biggest piece of advice is just try and find the best fit. And then if you can do that, whether it's financially or whatever, then do that. I do tell a lot of kids, Hey, look, people are under this impression. I want a full ride. I'm on, we're going on a full ride. I want my school paid for. And I will tell families this and they look at me like I'm crazy. I'll say, do you realize that like, all the athletes out there playing, the people that are on full rides in this country, I said, you about have a better chance of going and flying up in the space shuttle someday than you do getting a full ride somewhere and getting your school completely True. paid for. That there's just a small percentage, less than 1% of all the high school athletes in the country, I think I read somewhere, get the opportunity to go on a full scholarship. And everybody else's partials, or no scholarship or whatever. And I tell people, hey, if somebody, if a D1 or D2 is offering you a full scholarship, brother, you need to think about taking that. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's, I mean, I, 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 I'll be the first to tell you, you probably need to think about taking that because yeah. you're going to save a lot of money for your mom and dad yeah. doing that. However, 98% of the people that I talk to are not in that situation, you know? <laughs> and so then when you're not in that situation, now that changes things a little bit as to what you, I think you should be looking for. Yeah, I agree. Coach, uh, we really appreciate your time. I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about your wonderful bride, Christine, and uh, on this. And, and young coaches will ask me, they'll go, coach, what, what, what should I be thinking about if I want to be a, a college coach or a high school coach? Or I said, if you want to be a good coach, don't get married. Okay, <laughs> don't, don't have a family, don't get married. Because your your time is crazy. You're you're you know from early in the morning till late at night. Sometimes two o'clock in the morning, you're walking in the door and you're frustrated, right. and you, nobody wants to be around that. But I go, if you want to be a great coach, find a partner that will have your back and understand you, because you won't last long as a good coach by yourself if you don't have somebody that cares about you and understands you and the emotions you're going through. How important as as Miss Chris been to your career and continue to do it? Uh, she's been she's been integral. Now, all, some of my former players would say that that's the she made me soft. That's the, that's the <laughs> that was the reason I got soft is I, she made me soft. I'm she gonna say better. You got better. better. Yeah, I was like they call it soft. They're I just said, they're just jealous that they didn't get that part of you. Right. Exactly. Well, when we were dating, and I I saw this happen a lot when I was coaching high school. And I just knew this was what I wanted. And that was part of the reason why I quit coaching and teaching in high school. I was just like, I, I want to be somewhere where I'm coaching, not somewhere where I'm teaching 90% of the time and right. coaching 10%. I want to you know, do this. And I've seen a lot of high school coaches married. As soon as they had kids, they started having to get, I got to get out of coaching. Because at that point, and I get it, 
you want to watch your kids play. You don't want to miss your kids stuff while, so you can go coach somebody else's kids, you know, and I totally understand that, but I was just like, I don't want to do that because I don't know what else I want to do in life. I don't think I would be happy doing anything else in life. So we sat down and talked when it looked like we were going to think about this, oh, this is going to be a little more long-term than just dating for a while. I said, well, I've got one non-negotiable in my life. And if anybody that knows me knows I'm I'm not non-negotiable about anything. <laughs> I, I roll with the flow pretty well, I think. Right. But she says, I can't wait to hear what this is. I said, I can't quit coaching. If I come home and you start saying, well, you need to be home more. You're, I don't like you being gone all the time coaching. I said, I'm going to start looking for ways to get out. You know what I mean? Right. I, I, said, I think because I said, it's it's just who I am. It's 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 a vocation. I mean, it's, you know, it's it's more. It's it's a vocation. It's like yes. like like you know, it's it, it's a calling almost for me. It is. And and she said, "Well, I have one of those too." And I said, "What's that?" And she said, "I like to spend the money on planting flowers and making my garden real nice." <laughs> I said, "I think we're going to be just fine." <laughs> so that's um, great. And, and it's one of the things that's been great about her is she. She never was a basketball fan. She she went to Kirkwood High School and she went to one high school game when she was in Kirkwood. And she didn't go to another basketball game until the first game when we were dating that she came to watch us play. Yeah. And so we would sit around, me and my friends would talk about things. And then she would say, and she'd say, we'd get in the car to go home. And I and, I, and she'd say, I have a question. And I'd say, what's that? And she'd say, what's the post? <laughs> and I'd be like, Okay, you know, it is like, you don't know how many times we got a big screen TV. You don't know how many times I froze it and said, okay, now look right here and I explained, yeah. yeah. oh, okay. One day we're sitting there and uh and and we're watching the Tennessee game and she goes, she looks up, she goes, Tennessee's playing a two-three zone. And I went, Yes, <laughs> you did it. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> but so one of the good things about that is she looks at things not like another basketball coach would. Right. Just like, you know, she she's very pragmatic about stuff. And sometimes she'll give me some piece of advice and I'll go, that's brilliant. Yes. <laughs> I never, that, that's so simple. I never thought about it that way. Exactly. That's brilliant. We're, you and I are kindred spirits because of that. Our wives are very similar, <laughs> you know. They're oh, yeah. reluctant basketball fans, but. Absolutely. They, and they've she doesn't they've even made our coaching out. better. I kid her all the time. She doesn't even go to our games half the time. And right. when she comes to the games now, my former assistant, who's going to come back and help me again, his little boys are eight, six, and three. And, uh, you know, she just spends the whole game sitting up there with the kids. She'll say, well, yeah, I really didn't pay a whole lot to attention to the game. I was too worried <laughs> about seeing. I'm like, well, that's, that's all right. You know, <laughs> but, that's great. So it is, it's, it's, it, she's been a big help just, just being there and yeah. being supportive is is amazing well I, I was there at the beginning of your relationship with with her and i and, and i she's she was always a sweetheart and i, I wanted to make sure we talked about her because she's she's, oh, great. she's great. I'm glad you have each other coach we're gonna do some quick rapid fire okay. just, these are just some questions we want first thing that comes to your head you know uh we want to learn a little bit about you things we want you to share with our audience and and then we but we appreciate your time we'll get you out of here um beth you want to get us started I sure do. And this is going to be tricky considering what you just said. I think that you're in your calling, but if you weren't doing what you're doing, 
what is the one thing that you would do to, you know, like do instead of basketball coach again, challenging. Cause you just mentioned your, it's your calling. Uh, <laughs> a park ranger. Oh, work at a zoo. I love I animals. See that. I love animals. I love that. I yeah, I, I think I would love to do that. You've given some great advice to young people. If you go back in time and talk to your 21-year-old self before you got into your career, what would what would you tell them? What would you tell young Chris Bunch? Uh, I would tell him probably not to be so concerned when you start off as a coach, teacher, whatever you're doing, but especially, I mean, I've said this to my wife before, is you don't understand. You have a bad day at work at the Carpenters member's ship office you know benefits office nobody pe you, people aren't there yelling at you while that's going on and when you walk to your car people ain't saying hey stupid you know blah. <laughs> I said, I said, all of my failures are public that's right <laughs> and and so and, and when I first started coaching I was in a community that was very small I mean I had people come up to me at Walmart and go I can't believe you went switch that two three zone last night you know I was like <laughs> really you know what I mean? and and, and so I think I would tell myself to not be so concerned with what other people think about you and not be, don't, don't feel like, don't let your success govern your self-worth, I, I guess is a better way of putting that. Is that there's a lot of times that, because we had some team, I, I say this day, the first year I ever coached, we went seven and 20. And that summer, we went to three team camps, and we went one and 30 in team camp. I was afraid going into that year that we weren't going to win a single game that year. And we went seven and 20. And I look back 35 years later at that, and I say, I still say to this day, it was the best coaching job I ever did. It's oh, great. Because we won more games than we should have that year. But, but you know, at that time, I was 24 or whatever. I just walked around just depressed all the time because I thought everybody thought I was an idiot, you know? And, mm -hmm. and so I think you have to learn to just as a coach, especially don't worry so much about the outside noise in life, because as I get older, I don't care what anybody thinks, you know, I mean, I like I used to, I mean, like, you, I don't care if you think I'm a whatever, you know, I mean, it just, it doesn't matter as much. But when you're young and starting out and trying to make a name for yourself, you are very aware of that. Yeah. And I think I'd go back and tell myself, just relax and do the best you can and enjoy the kids. And you'll be a lot. I would have been a lot happier, I think, early on. Me too. I love that. Yeah. What's your favorite book or podcast that you're listening or reading to right now? That kind of uh, significant I'll, for you? I've, I've, I've not read any books Lately, I'm, I tell you what I'm into, hmm? and it's, as you and I tell people this all the time, when you get old, you're not old enough. When you get a little older, you're going, <laughs> you are going to. I catch myself all the time reading books about sports when I was a kid. Hmm. I love books about the my favorite team when I was my favorite teams when I was a kid growing up were the Atlanta Braves because the first baseball game I ever saw was Hank Aaron's 715th home run. You're kidding me. I didn't know that. Oh, absolutely. My dad oh said, my sit gosh. down here. I want you. My dad was a minor league baseball player. and said, sit down here. I want you to watch this. You'll tell your grandkids about this. And he hit it. I, I watched Hank Aaron hit it. And so I was oh. an Atlanta Braves fan because that was the first baseball game I ever saw. Rightly so. Yeah. But, yeah oh. The first football game I ever saw that same year, Vikings-Dolphins. 
And I liked the Vikings because I thought they had cool helmets and I liked purple. So I always like the Vikings were always my favorite football team. And my first basketball game I ever saw, game six, Boston Garden, Kareem made about an 18-foot sky hook in overtime for the Bucks to beat the Celtics and force game seven. Oh, my god! And, and that was the first – I went out – I was like seven. I went out in my yard and shot hook shots for like two hours trying to – Your first game was Oscar Robertson and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? Yeah, my first game I ever saw. And so – um, wow. I, I go back now and I read books on that kind of stuff. Yeah. I'll read books yeah. about the 72 Lakers or I'll read book about the, I, I was big when I was in high school was the Larry Bird, Magic Johnson era. I was a big Lakers fan. Me too. You know, so I'll read, I read Showtime in about a day. I just couldn't quit. I, mean, I, I just sat down one day in the summer, just read it in like a day's time. And, and so I read a lot of books about, sports back when I was yeah I love it yeah you know perfect what's uh is there a comfort food for you coach is there something that you you love to eat that it makes you my problem and look at me my problem is I love to eat too much stuff that that my wife would say that (laughs) that's the problem everything's comfort food to you (laughs) everything's comfort food (laughs) no um I, I really like I really like seafood and I really like pasta Mm, that's you nice know, i mean it's kind of it's kind of the two things i like probably as much as as anything can't go wrong i'm guessing i could probably pick this answer too based off of your your podcast or book answer however i'm going to ask okay so when you're not feeling very confident or you need a little motivation what's your go-to movie and i'm guessing it's probably something like you had indicated before but maybe not oh, my my wife is can't stand every time she comes home and she's like oh god not Hoosiers again, like all right, oh, oh, like, you know, or, oh God, not not Rudy, not Rudy. Rudy, Rudy. Rudy. You're, just like, you're just like yes, yes, the underdog wins. You know, <laughs> you know so it's uh, there, there's 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 depending on the sport, there's like the natural. I love watching the natural. Yes. Yeah, it's my favorite baseball That's movie. Me like, too. So yeah, those those things. Uh, I, I, I always enjoy every time Hoosier's on, I watch it and I just laugh. I mean, I think how many times have I seen this? I, I can say yes. this word for word, you know, but yes. I still enjoy it. Yes. It came out when I was in high school and I watched that. Oh yeah. I, I had the VHS. So I watched it before every game I'd watch. Right. You know? <laughs> right. Right. Oh, uh, now another inspirational one that, that my wife can't absolutely cannot stand this guy. I love like the first three rocky movies oh yeah when he's oh, if you want to oh. talk about like inspiration i get fired up every time the music comes on and he's training yeah she's like oh my god do we have to watch this and i'm like no no yeah. shut up we're watching it. <laughs> i'm with you i'm with you we'd have a, we'd have a hell of a weekend coach you and i <laughs> all right you're president for the day okay president of the united states for the okay. day you got one ch- chance to make a big change what would you make outlaw social media that's all that's awful to say i'm sorry but no i I think i think i say this to my wife all the time i think our our problem is right now in this country if i could is when i was growing up you you didn't i think there's so many negative hateful things said on social media Social media is not wrong. Just like 
you know, but the money's evil. No, money's not evil. The love of money is evil. You know? right. It's like same thing with social media. It's not inherently evil. However, you know, I think it's just so easy to, you know, uh, oh, well, somebody said this. I'm just going to fire off a tweet and I'm just going to say this awful stuff. And if you were in a room with that person, you probably would not walk up to that person and say those things. Exactly. And, and I think that is, I think that is at the core of what is wrong. I, I, I still am a believer in this. I had people, I, somebody told me this a long time ago that there are more people have more things in common than they have that are different. If they would just agree. Look. I agree. You know, and and I, when I went to Turkey, the first time working a basketball camp, and my father was really sick and they called me on Friday and told me, you know, he, he's not probably not going to make it through the weekend. And obviously I was down and the Turkish guys were all like, come on, come on, come on, coach. We're going I'm like, Where are we going? And they took me to a mosque and it was like, we're going to pray. And I went, can, can I go? There and, pray? Right. And, they're, and they're like, they're like, absolutely. You pray and we're going to pray and said, you know, oh, and it was, and then he, he passed away on that Monday morning, the first day of our second camp. And all there was like 300 kids in the camp. And after lunch, they, we got ready to go to lunch. And the, they said, Coach Bunch, would you go over and stand over at the door? And I was like, why? And they said, well, it was, and every kid came by and hugged me and told me they were sorry that my father oh, died. I'd never heard and, that story, Coach. And, and fantastic. I said, I said to people, it was, you know, I was around all these you know, I'd never been around Muslim people before. Not that I had anything against Muslim people, but it's like, you know, I just never been around any. And to be around all those people and just see by the third year, I know Mike Senior went with me and he just laughed. He goes, dude, you're just in the middle of like these 30 Turkish kids. And they're all like, and I said, it's just, I learned that was the best lesson I ever learned was that everybody's got the same likes and dislikes and wants and they everybody wants to be happy everybody wants to have a family everybody wants to you know do something in life that's meaningful for them and you know we're we've all got so much that we have in common that I think now and especially in the, the political climate that we're in now we all spend too much time looking at the differences in people yeah. and then if you just ever meet somebody you're like, you know, you would never say the things to somebody that you would say on social. And even like the sports stuff, poor old Jason Tatum gets the, all. I mean, every time Jason Tatum has a bad game for the Celtics in the playoffs, it is awful the stuff people say to him it is. in social media. You would never say that to him or anybody if you were in a room with them sitting there across the table from them. Agreed. And I think that's one of the things that's happened with social media is it's changed our ability to just be negative. You, you could never do that before. Yeah. And, and, you know, picking on kids, shaming them for how they look or whatever, you know, you, it, just, it just wasn't like that when I was younger, you know? And so that's kind of, if I could change one thing about our life, I wish I could find some way to change that to where everybody would just get along better and realize that we're all kind of got the same stuff going on it's great i love that this is our last rapid fire question but okay. for anyone listening to this podcast what is the one piece of significant advice that 
you have found impactful for you today that you kind of carry on with you and you pass along that you might not have shared with us yet on the show? A few years ago, I saw, I don't know who it was that this was credited to. I think Theodore Roosevelt, but I'm not really sure. Okay. I don't know why that pops in my head, but, uh, but, and I thought about this a lot. And the quote is, comparison is the thief of joy. Mm. And the first time I ever heard that, I just sat back and I thought about that a lot is so many times we're unhappy because, well, I don't make as much money as that coach makes, or I don't have as nice a gym as that coach has. And I, and I've engaged in all those things and we all have. And I remember one time fussing about our gym being small and locker rooms are too small. And my buddy, Mike said, do you think your kids sit around all day and think about how the locker room's too small? Mm-hmm. He goes, they just come in and they get on the gun and they shoot and they're they're in there hanging out with their buddies and you practice and they're hanging out with you. And so do you really think they think about how many seats we have in the gym? And, 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 and every now and then you need somebody to say something like that to you just to realize that we spend so much time and I did it as a child. So-and-so has got a nice car. Why don't we have a nice car? And, and, or, you know, their house is a lot. Chris and I will go to somebody's house and it'll be really nice. And we'll come back to our house and she'll be like, and I'll just, it's like, stop. You know I mean? It's, it, you know, my dad used to say this to me all the time and I just laugh. I just say, what, what's that mean? You know, when I was a little kid, I'd say something about, well, I wanted something. And he'd say, well, you know, we can't afford it or whatever. And I'd say, well, I want, it. he'd say, well, brother, if you can't have what you want, you better want what you have. You know, I love <laughs> and, that. and there's yeah. a lot of truth to that is, 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 you know, so much, time we spend looking at somebody else's situation and thinking, man, that's, I wish I were there when in reality, they may be looking at my situation and saying, man, he's got it good. I wish I were there, you know? And, and so I, I try really hard to impress upon people, you know, our guys and stuff. Don't look around and don't look across the fence to see if the grass is greener over there. Just worry about your grass, you know? And, 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 and you'll be a lot happier in life if you do that. As soon as you start comparing things, you start getting unhappy. Yep. And 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 I, I'm a big believer in that. I do believe that, you know, it, it comparison truly is the thief of joy. I, that would be my piece of advice for anybody. Fantastic advice. Chris, I, I got to just thank you so much for being on. Thank you for 20 years of friendship. Um, you're a great leader, great role model. I'm blessed to have you in my life. And I'm so thankful you've contributed my book. My book's so much better because of you and that your presence. I don't know about that. (laughs) It is your your wisdom and, and your empathy that you have and, and how you go about, um, being a, being a coach and a leader is, is, is something I, uh, I always aspire to and, um, and, and we're thankful for that. So we, we wish you and Chris, uh, great rest of the summer and and i know your teams are going to do well but th- thanks for being here with us thank you I appreciate it nice to meet you beth i, I appreciate well. good luck coach have a great one get, all get, right you get my best to the webster community and uh um we'll, we'll be in touch soon will do thanks coach all right thank bye-bye you. well cooker i know uh basketball isn't your world but what what what'd you think of coach bunch well, what I, so he's amazing. Um, what I do love is the comparisons of 
when you're coaching a team, um, when you are doing something which involves more than just you, I, you know, I love the comparison. It's really about getting to know the people, right? Understanding how they're motivated, understanding their strengths, um, how then you can complement complement their strengths with others' strengths, right? Which then formulates this whole team. Um, and then just just general wisdom of you know, the evolution of his journey as a coach, you know, how he started, how, what he thought was right, how he's evolved his style, um, really leveraged the strengths of his team, the leadership on his team, no matter what age or tenure it comes with. Um, and then just most recently, some of those answers to the rapid fire, just, you know, the world is such a large place, but there's so much that we all have in common and really just a Let's just be people, be human, get along, get to know your neighbor, wherever they might be in the world. And um, I mean, just good guy, just really great yes. guy. I, I remember Maryville when I was coaching there, we beat them on their home floor, which is really, really rare to beat, beat Chris's teams anywhere, but at home was, was rare to beat them at their place. And there was radio was there and there was always an interview after the game and it was a big win. And I remember the radio people just asking me how I was feeling, you know, and obviously you're juiced up, your team just won. And, and I cared so much about Chris. I cared so much about his kids and how he coached. And I had so much um, respect for them that I, I just, the first thing that came to my mind was, you know, I feel great, but I, I feel, I, I feel bad about the Webster kids. I go, they're such a good team and they're so well coached. And I said, you know, as, as excited I am for my kids, I'm, I'm, I'm just as upset for his kids and, and for that community. And, and that's how he, that's how he made me feel. You know, our friendship was that strong that I, it was great to beat him, but I, you know, I always felt bad, you know, for, for his kids because they were so well coached and so well disciplined. And um, it's just, he's a really good person, a great heart, big heart. Um, and you see what his kids have done. You can talk about all of his wins over the last 20 plus years, but it comes down to the young men that he's put out in the world and the integrity they have and what kind of fathers they've become and what they've done to be impacts in the world. And um, it's really, really impressive. So I think that's what matters, which is yeah. great. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. So everybody that uh, had the chance to listen to Coach Bunch, um, you know, if, if you live in the St. Louis area or you're somewhere where his teams play, go watch his teams play. Go watch, you'll, you'll see really entertaining basketball, great coaching, and he's fun to watch. Webster University in St. Louis. Um, again, we want to thank all of our listeners for, for taking time to, to be a part of our conversations and be a part of this journey with us. You can email us anytime at besignificant4u at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Apple or Spotify. And we'd love to hear your feedback. Don't forget to subscribe. Um, and with that, don't let life happen to you. Uh, make it happen. Be significant. And we'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.